Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the first Sunday of Lent, and liturgically speaking, Lent is a season of repentance. But more than that, in today's reading from Mark, we have Jesus's first public words. Repent, he said, for the kingdom of God has come near. Repent. This is the word that Jesus wanted to frame his entire ministry, the very first word He spoke publicly before beginning his ministry, meaning that if we are to understand the good news of the Christian gospel, we need to understand the meaning of repentance. And so what exactly is repentance? Well, I'll never forget watching a movie called The Mission in a ninth grade religion class. You may have seen the movie. There's a great scene where Robert De Niro's character, who has lived a pretty evil life, decides to change his ways. And so the priest at the mission gives him a penance, which is to drag a massive bundle of weapons up and down a mountain over and over again. Now, this bundle is unbearably heavy. In fact, it nearly crushes him. And I'll never forget, whenever my teacher paused the film as De Niro was about to die, trying to atone for all the sins he had committed and saying, now look, that is repentance. But was she right? Is repentance something that we do to atone for our sins? And should repentance be motivated by feelings of guilt and unworthiness? Because in today's gospel, Jesus does not say, repent and feel terrible. He says, repent and believe in the good news. Henry Noun once said that repentance is about reclaiming our true identity. And using today's gospel reading from Mark, I would like to define repentance for us as a continual process in our life that involves three things, a trip to the wilderness, a confirmation of our true identity, and wholeheartedly embracing the good news. I'll say that again. Repentance is a process that involves a trip to the wilderness. It is about our identity. And ultimately, it is about embracing with our whole heart the good news of the gospel. First, repentance starts with a trip to the wilderness. Now notice I said a trip. I did not say our trip because in the Bible, whenever we go into the wilderness, things always go badly. The people of Israel, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And if you want an accurate view of human nature, just take a look at their experience. 
the Israelites, they were not faithful to God in the wilderness, but it was not for a lack of trying. Because there's actually something inside the human heart that inhibits us from being faithful to God. And that inhibitor we call sin. And if we believe that our willpower can help us overcome that sin, we're going to find ourselves frustrated time and time again, and we will not persevere for very long in the Christian life. And so please do not think that repentance is what happens whenever we decide that we need to try harder to be more like Jesus. Because the truth is, we do not need a model. We do not need the perfect example to teach us how to live. We know how to live. We don't need a model. What we need is a representative for someone to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And that's why today's gospel isn't a story about us going into the wilderness and heroically obeying God and trying circumstances. No, today's gospel is a story about Jesus going into the wilderness on our behalf as our representative. So think about it this way. You can tell me as much as you want to try harder to dunk a basketball on a 10-foot goal, but I have an inhibitor. It's called being five foot six. And when it comes to dunking a basketball, trying harder is not going to solve my problems. What I need is someone to lift me up. And the same thing is always true when it comes to growth in the Christian life. We don't need to try harder. What we need is someone to lift us up. Now, to point number two, Jesus goes to the wilderness. He takes that trip as our representative for a purpose, and that is to give us or secure for us a new identity. And I say that because there is something that all human beings are absolutely desperate for, and that is a need to know that we have a worth that is secure and eternal and indestructible. Because our problems in life, our problems in life, they don't stem from not having faith. Our problems all arise whenever we put our faith in the wrong things. We believe that a relationship will give us worth. So we put all our faith in a certain relationship, but we break up or the spark dies and we're back to feeling worthless and a sense of lack. We believe power and success will give us worth. And so we expend all sorts of energy trying to climb to the top of the corporate ladder, then we make it to the top and we find that there is nothing there. Or maybe we believe that perfection, moral perfection will give us worth. And so we try really, really hard to be a great Christian, but then we are confronted time and time again by our deep imperfection. Because here is the truth about human nature. You and I are driven by our need for worth. And that drive for worth is so strong that we will put our faith in whatever we think can give worth to us. Success, money, 
approval, our kids, our job, or the great danger as we enter into Lent, our ability to keep all the religious rules and to make God happy through our own actions and willpower. I mean, that's what made the Pharisees feel worthy. And if you read the New Testament, you'll notice that Jesus's harshest critique was always reserved for them. But as human beings, we are always chasing something because we believe that something will make us special, worthy, and that it will give us a secure identity. And today's gospel has a whole lot to say about that. Because whenever Jesus Christ was baptized in the River Jordan, he heard a voice. You are my son. You are the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Here's my question. Have you heard God say that to you? Are you in the habit of opening your heart and letting God speak those words over your life? And if your gut reaction to my question is, well, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy enough, then we don't yet understand repentance because repentance is not about something we do, but rather about believing in and turning towards something that Jesus Christ has already done for us. And that is give us his own identity, his status as a beloved, righteous, acceptable, loved child of God. In fact, Soren Kierkegaard once defined sin as the despairing refusal to find our deepest identity in God. And so sin at its root is not about breaking moral commandments. It's not about breaking rules. Sin is a process whereby we refuse to find our life where our life is to be found, namely in God. But because we define sin in that particular way, notice that repentance can never be about trying harder. But as Henry Noun said, it's about reclaiming our true identity. Because the good news of the Christian gospel is that when we put our faith in Christ over time, we come to see and to hear that God speaks those same words over our life that God the Father spoke over Jesus in the River Jordan. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my beloved. And with you, I am well pleased. Repentance is about turning to that voice and embracing the good news. And just so we are absolutely clear, you know, that's what the word gospel means, right? The Greek word translated gospel, it doesn't mean good advice. It doesn't mean good luck trying to please God with your own efforts. The word gospel means good news. And the good news is that Jesus Christ went into the wilderness for us on our behalf as our representative. He lived the life that we should have lived and he died the death we should have died. And this he did to secure for each of us a new life, a new self, a new identity that is eternal and indestructible. 
And so I want you to think back to that movie and that scene of Robert De Niro, whose penance was to carry that bundle of weapons up and down the mountain. Those weapons are a metaphor for our sin and our guilt. And the weight of that bundle is unbearably heavy. I mean, in the movie, it nearly killed him. Let us not think that repentance is about shouldering that burden ourselves. With all due respect to my ninth grade religion teacher, she had it wrong. Repentance is not about trying to atone for our sins, but it's about turning our heart toward the one who has already shouldered that burden for us and who as an act of sheer grace has given us a new name, a worth, and an identity that we could never find anywhere else. Now, you might wonder, that's wonderful, but what does it have to do with Lent? Well, the word repent, it literally means to turn or to change your mind. And so the question I want to leave you with today is, where in your life do you need to turn back around to change your mind? so that you can hear God say to you those most precious and life-changing words, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are the beloved, with you I am well pleased. In other words, what practices might you undertake this Lent to help you attune more deeply to that voice of grace? Because the truth is, God is always speaking words of grace over our life. And the only point of spiritual practice is to increase our capacity to hear that voice and to allow that voice to govern our life, our thoughts, our relationships, and our actions. And so the good news, as we go into Lent, no one, God included, is asking you to give up sweets for Lent or wine, or Instagram, or Netflix, or anything else. You're welcome to give those things up, but there is no ask there on God's part. But we are asked to give up something a lot more challenging. We are to give up self-hatred. We are to give up our perfectionism. We are to completely give up any reliance on ourself. For each of these things in their own way only keeps us from hearing the words that are always available and that alone can change our life. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my beloved. And with you, I am well pleased. Amen.